All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Driving Theology. My name's Mike, and it is a very clear, sunny January morning, 2024. Uh... So I'm uh, heading to work and just wanted to chat with you folks, uh, or you folk, or nobody at all in particular, maybe. <laughs> maybe the case. Maybe I'm just going to be talking to uh, future generations. Uh, maybe somebody will get interested in who their grandpa was or great-grandpa was, and maybe that's who will be listening to these. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but, uh, yeah, <clears throat> it is January, and last night we had a big rain and maybe even a few snowflakes, so I'm kind of worried about there being frozen patches on the road, but so far things are looking okay, especially where the sun hits, not too bad too bad at all, I think. Well, as much as things change, things uh, also have a way of staying the same. So we are now um, preparing for another uh, long presidential run by Donald Trump. I don't understand um, what's going on with him legally as far as all of the things from January 6, 2021 and all of, all that that um, yeah, all that that was not sure what's going on with that but uh, he has just won the uh, Iowa they call it the Iowa caucus or the Iowa primary, I'm not even sure but he's just won that and he looks to be the front runner, he is the front runner uh, for the uh, Republican Party and probably will be the candidate. I don't see anybody um, dethroning him um, anytime soon. And that means that we will have two basically 80-year-olds vying for the presidency in uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Uh, I think they're both about that age. I tell you for sure, but that's, that's, that's what my memory tells me. Hey Siri, how old is Donald Trump? Hey Siri, how old is Donald Trump? Donald Trump is 77 years old. Yeah. Hey Siri, how old is Joe Biden? Joe Biden is 81 years old. Yeah, so we're going to have a, a 77 year old going up against an 81-year-old. They're separated by about, by about four years, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I, I wish Joe Biden would just bow out of this one and... and uh, oh, I should have gone straight. Bow out of this one and let, let uh, some younger Democrats step up. But if there aren't any that can compete with Trump, I mean, Biden beat Trump once, so maybe he's got a chance. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to tell you about American politics. I really don't. Um, 
I, on the one hand, you know, I was raised uh, fundamentalist slash evangelical Christian. And so politics has been a big part of my religious experience. Now, 10 years ago, I walked away from institutionalized religion. I haven't participated in that for quite a while. Um, And therefore I think I've gotten some perspective on uh, what it means to be religious, evangelical in America uh, and their political, religious uh, standpoint and, and what it looks like from a Jesus perspective because that's been my focus for the last 10 years for sure is uh, Jesus and Christology and, and the New Testament and um, learning as much as I can about the universal Christ growing deeper uh, in my life of trying to follow Jesus and and, uh, be Jesus in my context. That's led me down some really interesting paths, but one of the the paths that has led me down is that I abhor Christians mired in politics. Um, I abhor the very situation. Um, I said I, I abhor Christians mired in politics, but I mean the situation. I don't abhor Christians, I hope. Um, I say I hope because, you know, we're not always in uh, control of our <laughs> our emotions and our, our random thoughts. Um, I'm sure I harbor some animosity for Donald Trump and and that ilk, whether they be in my family or, or uh, you know, famous people, um, I certainly wouldn't lean that way. Uh, and I haven't for a long time. I mean, you know, being being in the arts, uh, going to to college and, and learning um, uh, how to be a classical musician and and. Classical music, no matter the era, has always been um, supported by um, other entities. And this kind of, you know, goes back to the whole thing. Well, if, you know, pop, if, if classical music is not popular enough to, to pay its own way, then why do we have it at all? And I think this, you know, this goes back to what is art and and what is high art uh, as opposed to pop art uh, and is there a place for it in society I think this is a, a big you know philosophical question that we could ask uh, I don't really want to get into that today but it is something that needs to be talked about you know there there is art that is an acquired taste that only certain people, appreciate or get uh, and 
and usually it's a small group. It's not anything like a majority or anything like that. It's a it's a small group of you know that's what a connoisseur is, right? A a person who who uh, sees the value and beauty in something that most people don't. Um, and classical music, I think, by and large. Uh, not always, but often falls into this category. Uh, and, you know, you could also put in there uh, different kinds of avant-garde art uh, or modern art um, that to some people seems um, not beautiful. But there are certain people that, that believe that it's worthy of support. And so um, there are benefactors and patrons who support the arts, and oftentimes that's been the church, uh, and oftentimes it's been governments. Uh, now, sometimes it is you know wealthy individuals who support the arts. Uh, that is a thing as well. Uh -oh. That's construction going on, and that that's a good thing. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but those are the three entities that basically classical musicians and artists depend on. They depend on the wealthy, uh, the powerful, and the connected um, so that they can be supported while they do their art, whatever that art form might be. Uh, and so, for whatever reason, progressive a.k.a. liberal governments have supported the arts and conservative uh, governments have not, have cut arts funding. And so as an artist, I, I have always looked perhaps somewhat favorably toward um, liberal governments. Uh, because, you know, it's something that we, uh, they are somebody that artists depend on. Uh, and they're, they're somebody who have supported artists down through the years. They, they are groups of people that have supported, who believe that artists and the arts um, are worthy of support and um, subsidies from the government so that art may go forward I just said I didn't want to get into this, and here I am getting into it. Maybe this is what we're going to talk about today. I don't know. Um, but I just wanted to tell you that, in general, as a person who was educated in the arts as an artist, um, that's, that's the way we lean, generally speaking. Now, not always, generally speaking. I'm sure there are many... Um, What's the word? What's the word? Uh, exceptions to this rule. People who are in the arts who also support um, conservative government. But for whatever reason, those are our choices today. Conservative and liberal. Uh, like it or not, that's that's kind of what that's kind of the game we have to play. And I think it sucks. I think it's terrible. Um, and in, a, in the specific type of republic that America is, uh, this means 
that every time the government shifts, artists are going to be whipped back and forth. We're either whipped right or whipped left. We either have, uh, it's either a feast or famine for us. Uh, and very, it's very dependent upon the governments. Even here in Japan, where the governments don't, the government doesn't really support the arts very much. Um, well, some, not much. Uh, it's still, it's still a thing, right? For artists, uh, who's in power uh, is still going to influence, um, influence our livelihood. Now, I, I haven't been a, a, an artist fully dependent upon my art to bring, bring, bring home the bacon. Uh, maybe ever, I guess. I guess as soon as I finished graduate school, I worked as well as uh, did my art. I kind of did both. Um, but what that means is I haven't achieved... Uh, perhaps my potential because I've had to, uh, you know, split my time, um, and, you know, working a job and what I've done all those years is, is teach. I've taught English for nearly 30 years. I guess it'll be 30 years next year. Um, you know, that takes a lot of time and, and energy and, and it also, um, bogs down your schedule so that sometimes you can't be flexible enough to go to auditions or um, to, you know, take jobs uh, in other cities and things like this uh, because you've got to be at your job, you know, it's, it's something you've got to do. So that's been my life. It's been, you know, I've been torn between uh, providing for my family by teaching and then, you know, trying to progress in my art uh, as well, and that's still there, right? I still, I'm still in that kind of, you know, living in, in two worlds kind of thing. And it's, it's not, it's not the best place necessarily. Um, but I have always felt that, you know, this was a good direction for me, that the things I've learned in life because of the path, uh, that was laid out before me or, you know, also known as the path I chose, uh, I have I have met the Lord on that path, and that that makes it enough for me. At least, at least intellectually, right? When I think of, um, you know, I can't imagine having having been in a completely artistic environment this whole time. Say, you know, being a Former in Europe or something like that, uh, which I once tried to do. That that was something I wanted to try. I wanted to go to Europe for a while, but I didn't uh, go down that path because I had family. I, I had a, a wife and a child, and and you know when you are in a marriage, the marriage becomes a partnership, and and what may be good for one person in one arena of their life uh, may not be um, right for the other person in whatever uh, facet of life they are in at the time. And so you make, you make the decisions that are best for everybody. 
and also known as compromise. And, and then that's the direction your life is going to go. And I think everybody's life is like this, really. Uh, I think there, there is always um, compromise. Uh, there are always decisions that you realize uh, it may not be best for you, but it's best for the community you're in, whether that's a family or a relationship or, you know, something bigger. Um, and that's that's just life as a human, as a, as a social animal, right? We, we make decisions um, that keep the peace, right? Uh, and that's how it goes. So, you know, I was I was on track to be a professional uh, opera singer. I was on that track. I was doing well. I had prospects. Uh, had some success. Uh, and I've tried to keep doing that all these years, um, but it's been a struggle, right? It's it's a struggle because I have life as well, right? And then eventually you you do lose a little bit of that edge you know in the beginning I was very driven uh, very ambitious um, to go that route and life stepped in and said yeah you know there are other things that are more important and that's going to have to wait uh, indefinitely <laughs> so that's why it sounds so sad the way I say it <laughs> But, you know, I've, this is something I've been dealing with and thinking about for 30 years since I left grad school, basically. Um, this is, you know, this is just how, uh, you know, I always hope for a big breakthrough. I hope suddenly something will happen big enough that will uh, be able to uh, lift me on a higher plane artistically. Um but, you know, you don't always get what you want. You don't always get what you want, right? You can't always get what you want. Uh, is that a... I feel like that's the Rolling Stones and Mick Jagger. But anyway, yeah, you can't always get what you want. That is true. Um... And you shouldn't always get what you want. And what you always want uh, today, you may not want tomorrow. You know, I don't know who I would have been had I not have gone through the struggles I've gone through as a human being. Um, I'm not sure I would have found uh, Christ in, in the in, in, to the level that I found him today. And I don't know. There's no way of knowing. I don't know who I would have been. Had I had never come to Japan to teach English, um, I can't imagine I'd be the same person. Um, I'm saying I'm a lot because this is totally just coming from my. Uh, I'm just rambling. I'm thinking this as as I go. Um is a thinking word. <laughs> So, anyway, as an artist, I probably lean left. As a Christian, 
I shudder to think. I use the word Christian loosely. I should say as somebody who aspires to follow Christ, who believes that Christ is the the all and the in all, and that the one thing we should be focused on is the is bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth so that all things can be on earth as they are in heaven. I believe that Jesus would want us unfettered from politics. Was Jesus political? In a sense. In a sense he was political. But the politics that he believed in, the politics that he was shopping in the world, aka the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, stood up and against all other politics. They were never meant, the kingdom of God was never meant to partner with any earthly kingdom. In fact, Satan in the desert when Jesus was tempted, the tempter offered Jesus control of all the governments of the earth, all of them. He said, I, you know, I will put them all under your rule. You can rule them all if you'll just worship me. So Jesus had the ability to be the government that controls all worldly governments. Satan was going to hand him that. And he turned it down. He said, nope. That's not going to work. Now the question is, why did he turn it down? Some people argue that, well, he's, he's, he's God. He rules the world. He can, he can take control without getting it from Satan. I don't think he ever has. I don't think that's ever been the direction he wanted to go. I think I think the Catholic Church had a unique... I don't know, I have to think about this. They had a unique opportunity to turn down the first chance of partnering with government. When Constantine, when Constantine uh, offered, when Constantine made Christianity uh, legal in the Roman Empire, and his mother was a known Christian, and he began to 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 wear the Christian symbols. The church at that time could have said, eh, "Thank you, no, thank you." The the kingdom of heaven is not the kingdom of a kingdom of man God's ways are not man's ways the kingdom of heaven must must stand alone or not stand at all but they didn't uh, they were perhaps a little bit greedy uh, and they jumped at the chance to to get in bed with the Roman Empire, and that's what happened. And church has been getting in bed with government ever since. Uh, it's happened in Rome. Uh, it, 
happened in the Holy Roman Empire, which was a European empire. It happened in uh, France. It happened in Spain. It happened in England. And now it's happening in America. Um, the kingdom of heaven was never meant to be in bed with any other government. And when that happens, the kingdom of heaven loses. It's oil and oil and water. Oil and water. They don't mix. They don't work. Uh, the kingdom of kingdoms of man are much too aggressive. Uh, they are they are based on greed and pride. They are competitive, and it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. The kingdom of heaven will never work. It will cease to exist when it is partnered with a government of man. That's just what's going to happen. Uh, and so... What gets me about politics, what irks me about politics the most, is not right or left or conservative or liberal, uh, whether governments are doing good, whether they're doing bad, uh, whether one type of government is more godly or not. That, that's all stuff, right? That, that all exists. I mean, I, mean I, I suppose you could say that one type of government does seem to be more... Christ-like than another, I suppose that's possible. But the very fact that it's a government of the earth, that it's run by people, that it's created by people, disqualifies it from being the kingdom of heaven. It just, it just can't be. God's kingdom has to be other than. It has to be holy in the sense that holy means set apart. there's a good use for holiness, it's that. The, the kingdom of God and the, and the people of God are set apart. They are, they are to be used for a separate and better purpose. They have a, a perfect goal. Governments, by their, by their own existence, are antagonistic toward one another. Right? Government to, to have a government, you have to have a border. You have to have a people. And what that means is these people, these people are not the same as those people. Right? There's a separation. There's a, there are walls put up. There are borders and walls and labels and titles all things that are anti kingdom of heaven and so what gets me is not you know politics being this or that it's that Christians are confusing the kingdom of heaven with the kingdoms of men they don't see the difference do I think it's wrong for a Christian to vote? Not completely. 
but I do think it's wrong for Christians to get obsessed about politics. And I think it's wrong for them to be tribal about it. To say that, you know, red is better than blue or conservative is better than liberal or vice versa. Both ways are bad. It's wrong. What we can say is that in whatever way this government or that government reflects the the heart of Christ is is working in in the direction that the kingdom of heaven would like to go then I will support that but I'm not going to support all of it I'm not going to support uh, my uh, government's wars right the killing of anybody Uh, I'm not going to support um, conquest of any kind. I'm not going to support economic um, competition. If, if, If a government suddenly says uh, there's plenty for all Right? There is an abundance for all people on earth to have everything they need. There is an abundance. Uh, therefore, we will not try to get more for our people and thereby making other peoples have less. Right? We believe in abundance. We believe that all people on earth are God's children. All people on earth uh, can be provided for. Now, if governments started doing this, the fact is the governments would disappear because they would, they would stop being a specific tribe. They would stop being a specific place, right? The governments would, stop to, would cease to exist. Earthly governments are based on tribalism uh, and territorialism. Tribalism, territorialism. Is that a word, territorialism? Um... And if those two things exist, I think, I think earthly governments now cease to exist. I think now we suddenly have an ability uh, to usher in, in a macro way, the kingdom of heaven, the reign of God. Because I think the reign of God, basically, if I could sum it up, is all humans are family. All humans are family. Every person on earth is your brother or sister or mother or father. You're all family. Therefore, you love each other. Everybody loves everybody. And when that happens, I think the kingdom of heaven has has space to to make a large impact. But at the moment, the kingdom of heaven is going forward, but it's going forward in in, in local ways, right? Uh, I like the new word that's been coined, glocal, right? Which basically means think globally, think about how things are good for everybody, everywhere, uh, but act locally. So do what you can in your context. Uh, 
with with your global uh, mindset and in that way we bring healing and, and repair and togetherness to the world right the kingdom of heaven is a utopian vision no matter what you say it's 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 the ultimate utopian vision But it's one that supposedly a third of the world believes in. On some level. Well, I'm about five minutes away from being to my place of employment. I'm going to sip a little coffee here, which I brought with me. It's still very hot. I made myself an Americano on my way out of the door. <clears throat> That's my problem with um, religion and politics. And maybe that's one definition of modern religion. Religion is a political system that professes Christ but embraces the governments of man. Maybe that's what religion is. Maybe that's what it's become. Yeah, of course, the word religion means to reconnect, right? To reattach, relig. Lig as in ligament, re as in again. To, to relig means to reattach. So it, uh, I think initially religion's um, religion's goal was to reattach men to God um, to to re repair that lost connection. And that's a worthy thing, right? I don't think God has ever broken that uh, that attachment, but I think we imagine it's broken and, and if we imagine it's broken in a sense it is broken at least for us, and so religion comes to, to repair that disconnect, right? Um, so I think, I think religion often, maybe most of the time, maybe all the time, had good intentions. The problem is we, we have always been awestruck by the governments of men. And we've always coveted what they've had. And so in order to get some of that, we, we, we partner with them. Uh, we give them the ideology by which they can continue to do what they've always wanted to do, which is gain territory uh, and, and gain wealth, gain power. So religion comes along and says, well, we can, we can read the Bible this way. Augustine was one of the worst at that. We can read the Bible this way, and, and thereby, uh, we what we are doing is uh, allowing you to do whatever you do, but still be okay with God. And so we'll we'll partner with one another, right? We'll basically what we'll say is that whatever the government is doing is willed by God. It's God's will, and if it's God's will, the government must be good, right? Uh, and if if the government has God's stamp of approval, 
uh, then the people will be on board to support the government as well as as the religion, right? <laughs> it's really a horrible thing. It's so convoluted. So convoluted. And counterproductive. Not that not that to follow Jesus should be productive in a sense of, you know, we have to get something done. Uh but productive in a sense of, of reproductive, right? We should be reproducing more and more people like Christ, but instead we are, we are reproducing uh, more and more people like these greedy, uh, greedy men living confused uh, political, you know, religious lives who are, who are, you know, serving both God and mammon. That's become religion, unfortunately. George Carlin, famous comedian, satir- satirist. Uh, I think he saw that. Um, maybe the clearest. He wasn't the kindest person, but he saw that clearly, uh, and he, he he pointed it out. Um, and it's hard to say he was wrong about any of that. So, you know, as we head towards next November 7th, the next election, this this year is going to be a crazy election year because Trump is back on the the ticket, apparently. He's back on the ballot. Um, It's going to be nuts. And uh, my, one of my focuses is going to be to, as much as I can, help Christians not get too caught up in all that. That's what I'd like to do. Um, If I can knock a few few people from that tree uh, who will uh, see uh, religion and, and politics for what they've become and and instead focus their eyes on Jesus, and that's what I'd like to do. Uh, Doesn't mean I'm anti-Trump or pro-Biden. Doesn't mean I'm anti-Biden or pro-Trump. I really want to be, I know I'm not completely, I really want to be pro-Christ. I want to help Christians get free of that entrapment. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you guys. Bye-bye.